It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy hump day, all you Gamecock fans out there. J.C. Sherbert here with you Inside the Gamecocks daily. Uh, it's Wednesday, so don't forget Football Insider episode with myself and Tony Morrell uh, coming up later this afternoon. So you get a two for today. Apologize about yesterday's show. I had some technical difficulties here at uh, home base with my microphone. Couldn't get it going. Uh, <laughs> I tried. I had a whole uh, a whole episode recorded, and um, had I put that out, you guys would not even have been able to listen to it because it sounded like I was in the bottom of a well. Um, even worse than maybe some of the echoes we've had over time. I mean, it was like reverb. And uh, so I had to kind of get a new mic, and um, hopefully it sounds a little better. And uh, I've got some other equipment on the way but i apologize that was one of those things that could not be helped but two episodes today here on the inside the game guys podcast so after a weekend uh that caused a lot of angst or angst and consternation as we say um i thought that tuesday's win last night's win was just what the doctor ordered uh gamecocks led really start to finish had an early 15 point lead mississippi state cut it to two gamecocks took control in the second half uh, every time Mississippi State seemed to make a run, Carolina would make another run. And, you know, that's happened to the Gamecocks a lot this year where they're in a game and they come back and, you know, make it a game but can't quite get over the hump. That seems to be the way SEC basketball has gone. Uh, you know, Mike Coatsard, I want to talk about him for a second. Uh, you know, 20 points, senior night, um, maybe his last appearance at the Colonial Life Arena. Maybe not if they get a home NIT game. Uh, you know, really, Mike has been such a solid performer for most of this year. We remember last year when Kotsar kind of hit the skids, uh, missing layups, uh, missed 19 free throws in a row. The, the jump shot, which we've all known he's had for a while, was not falling. Obviously, the layups weren't falling. Um, he's become way more consistent, and he plays hard. Defensively, uh, this has been his best year. He's always been a pretty good defender, but <clears throat> defense, rebounds, all that. You know, Mike Coates are, has been a big part of this team's success this year as a senior. And certainly, you know, as the only guy left over from the Final Four team, you know, you like to see him kind of go out in style. Uh, you know, and I think that happens with a lot of Frank Martin's players, especially in the post, where they save their best for last and, and certainly – you know, that, that's how Mike Kotsar has done. You know, good for him to kind of come back. You know, he could have transferred or done whatever after last season. But he came back, worked hard, uh, and congratulations to him. I mean, we, we've read the stories. He had some personal stuff going on last year, which I, I think that gets underrated sometimes because uh, I think we all kind of ex- sometimes look at it like these guys are robots, and, and we don't ever even think about the human factor. Um in the sense that, you know, these are human beings and, you know, these guys, you know, have ups and downs just like all of us in life. And, and it affects your play just like, you know, if you have ups and downs in your life with your job, you know, it, it's going to at times, you know, affect your job. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes it does. So I, I think that that's, you know, sort of par for the course. It certainly would have been great for him to be, Rocking and rolling last year because maybe the outcome would have been a little different for the Gamecocks, but uh, heck, he had Chris Silva and, and, and did well with that. Um, so I thought he played pretty well. 
uh, and, and was the kind of the, the centerpiece of a big 83-71 to 71 win over Mississippi State, a fellow bubble team. Uh, and according to Lenardi, that hurt Mississippi State. I'm surprised, and, and I, I'll say this, I'm surprised, you know, and, and I guess I shouldn't be because it's, it's, it's math, and math was not my strong suit. I could do simple math really well, but I can't do, you know, algorithms and things like that. I have no idea. Um, the math is just hurting the SEC. I mean, you know, they're like four in this year. Last year it was an eight-bid league. Um, you know, I'm kind of surprised, given the way Mississippi State has played, that, that they're kind of on the bubble or on the wrong side of the bubble now behind the Gamecocks. I just uh, – I don't get that. Uh, I think that, you know, when you look at the Big Ten and their metrics, 11 is sort of excessive for that 14-team league. I mean, you know, I, I just – I don't know that – I mean, you know, if you match up whoever against whoever, that you're going to get, you know, anything more than a 50-50 result. But um, that's just kind of the way it is. <clears throat> this year the Big Ten has had a great year and they're going to get all these bids and, you know, more power to them. ACC, probably only five. So – it's a, it's a Big Ten world in college basketball this year. But that did drop, you know, Mississippi State down in terms of the bubble. Uh, also, I will say last night that helped the Gamecocks probably because it's not the SEC bubble teams you got to pull against necessarily because uh, I'll point this out. They're not looking at a quota per conference. They're not saying, oh, four in and that's it. So whoever's above whoever will get in. Uh, it's – you know, it's basically uh, everybody that they're comparing against everyone else. So, um, you know, uh, Alabama, another bubble team that beat the Gamecocks the other day, they go down at home to Vandy. Um, uh, where to begin with this? Um, you know, 87-79 Commodores. I've said Vandy's playing better which means the Gamecocks better be on top of their game on Saturday in Nashville. Uh, you know, and Alabama didn't play very good defense. You know, Vandy was uh, 30 for 54 from the field. And they hit 15 three-pointers. That's a recipe uh, for victory. Um, Kyra Lewis, James Bolden, and Jaden Shackelford seemed like the only people that, you know, showed up for Alabama last night. And it's, it's disappointing because that Bama team Carolina played Saturday, they were beatable. Um, it was just a game of momentum. And, you know, Bama, every time the Gamecocks had a chance, Bama kind of, you know, like, like last night, Carolina did the same thing to Mississippi State. Bama kind of warded them off after taking control of the momentum of the game. Um, but, you know, Bama goes to 8-9 and nine in the league, 16-14 and 14 overall. I can't see them getting in. Uh, at this point, you know, had they gotten to 10 and 8, maybe maybe you say, yeah, but uh, I just don't, you know, I don't know that – I think you can cross them off. You know, so that's one team. They got the game at Missouri this weekend, uh, which will not be easy. So we'll see kind of how they do. But, you know, that was a, that was a game that was interesting. And, and it, it kind of probably should concern you that Vandy's playing well enough to still get up off the mat and win a road game at Bama – and they got the Gamecocks coming in this weekend. That's never an easy place to play. A loss, obviously, would be, you know, that would put Carolina, in my opinion, in the win the SEC tournament or no, no, no dice if you lose that one in Nashville. 
So uh, beware going to Memorial Gym <laughs> uh, this late. By the way, uh, bad tornado ripping through Nashville. Um, obviously, having worked there, I uh, lived there seven years, uh, working there for Rivals.com and 24-7 Sports at the home office over the years. I have a lot of friends and loved ones in that area. And, um, you know, they're all safe. So so that's good. I, it it kind of broke my heart seeing the, the damage that's done. And, of course, back in 2010, that area went through mass flooding, sort of like we did in South Carolina in 2015. And um, you, you just hate to see things like that, uh, the acts of God, if you will, that um, end up taking lives. But everybody on my end safe and hopefully, you know, the, the loved ones that lost loved ones you know, will, you know, get through this very difficult time. I, I just uh, hate it. You know, Nashville, as you guys all know from making road trips up there, I've, I've, I've never seen anybody uh, in Gamecock land that when they have a road game at Vandy or SEC tournament or whatever that go up, you know, that don't have a good time up in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, it, it's a great place full of good people. Um, kind of like our state in South Carolina, and uh, it's always been in my heart. And so, hopefully, hopefully everything's okay, you know. And 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 they, you know, they avoid stuff like that again. I don't know how you avoid it, but you know, hopefully, you know, that area is spared moving forward. Right there, kind of a tornado alley through Middle Tennessee, Northern Alabama, uh, that area of the South. So. Anyway, Gamecocks uh, will go to Vandy. Uh, they're eighteen and twelve overall, ten and seven in the SEC. Uh, I think you know, make the NCAA tournament, don't make the NCAA tournament, whatever. Um, and I would still call it a, a long shot right now because a lot has to happen. Uh, but the Gamecocks are still in the hunt. Um, I, I do think that what Frank Martin has done in the league ha- has been impressive, and, and it's noteworthy. And, and look, you can say you know, only one NCAA tournament in eight years or whatever. And, and that's, that's a fact. And, you know, it should be better than that. You know, that 25 and nine team that got snubbed on selection Sunday, that, that team should have been in. Okay. Um, it wasn't. And so we can't change that. Uh, the last two years, you know, the year after the final four, the Gamecocks, Honestly, you know, that, that, and that team lost Rakim Felder, who they were counting on, obviously, and then P.J. Dozier, who they were counting on. I mean, that would have – those two guys alone were probably worth two or three more wins. And the SEC was very deep that year. You know, Carolina was on the bubble right up until, you know, they lost, I guess, a late home game to somebody. But, they, you know, they had a Texas Tech team that was really good, beat late and lost. They had Tennessee on the ropes twice and lost. Um, they were, the the conference opener New Year's Eve at Ole Miss. Ole Miss wasn't all that good. They lost that by three. Could have won it. You know that team had, you know, its chances. You know, last year's team when they went on the run in the SEC had no margin for error because of a five and eight non conference record. Um, that wasn't that good. You know, but you you don't lose to Stony Brook at home. You know, you don't lose to this, that, and the other. Maybe you're more in the mix. But at least you get to the NIT. You know, so so they were they were in the mix. You know, they were in the hunt. They were at least toward the bubble in February, which is always what you want. And then this year's team's definitely a bubble team. Now, probably going to be on the wrong side of the bubble. 
just just looking at it, you know, and if Joe Lenardi was wrong about, you know, eight or ten of his picks every year, I'd say I'd scoff at it. I'd say, ah, the Gamecocks have just as good a shot as anybody. But Lenardi doesn't really miss as far as the teams that get in. So I, I think that you, you know, I, now qu- quite frankly, do, do I think that's a little bit, you know, uh, is that too much power for one guy to have? Yeah, but he's really good at his job. And, uh, you know, so you got to pay attention when, when he's got you in or got you out. And I, I, I was a believer um, when uh, when in 2015, 2016, the Gamecocks got snubbed all of a sudden, you know, his projections went from Carolina being in to out, like almost overnight, and then all of a sudden they were out. So what that tells me is either he's got a, a, a he's got the algorithm programmed into his personal computer and it's working. And, um, you know, or, or he's got some really good sources on the committee. <laughs> and uh, so that's, that, that made a believer out of me. So obviously the Gamecocks got work to do. But what you got to think is, you know, for 30 years, and it's almost been 30 years since the Gamecocks have been in the SEC. The Gamecocks have been in the SEC almost twice as long as they were in the ACC. Um, the ACC, of course, formed uh, in 1953, I believe, with the old Southern Conference when it split apart. I think the Southern split into the the SEC and ACC or something like that. Maybe the SEC was a little earlier. I don't know the history, folks. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm winging it. But... You know, Gamecocks were in the ACC, 53-71. to That's 19 years. Um, And they've been in the SEC since 92. So it's 2020. So we're going on almost three decades of the Gamecocks being a member of the Southeastern Conference. And basketball, you know, when they came into the league, keep in mind, this was 1991. And I'll never forget, you know, we, we talk about this program all the time in terms of it being mismanaged. And I think it's had opportunity. There have been opportunities over the years where, the, you know, even looking back on it, the right decision just wasn't made. Uh, and I'll start with the retirement of Frank McGuire. You know, you have Bobby Crimmins, uh, who you could have hired and you didn't. You hired Bill Foster. Well, who wouldn't have hired Bill Foster then? He took Duke to a Final Four. Um, big resume. Uh, classic Gamecock hire. You know, and, and, and he had some health issues and it just didn't work out. Well, they hired George Felton, Bobby Crimmins, top assistant, former Gamecock. And Felton had it going. I mean, you know, that was a Metro Conference team. He had, he had one year, probably would have made the NCAAs, but he's, they were on probation, uh, were ineligible to make it. The next year he makes it, you know, and then there were some 15 and 14, 14 and 14 type teams. And then his last team, honestly, you know, they were 18 and 5, I think. That was the year we had the Louisville fight. Shout out to Freehawk, who I know is listening today. Um, that game was Carolina was up 14 over Louisville. Louisville was the big dog in the league, you know. And uh, there's this big fight that broke out. There were all these free throws, and the Gamecocks didn't, didn't, here we go, didn't hit them. Louisville came back. I think they ended up winning at 98-88, something like that, in double overtime. Heck of a game. And then it just down spiraled down from there. Gamecocks finished. Two and eight, 20 and 13, George Felton gets fired um, for some off the court type of deal by King Dixon, who I'll never, you know, nothing against King Dixon as a person. I'm sure he's a good person, but let's just say the leadership was less than stellar 
during that time, and the Gamecocks are transitioning into the Southeastern Conference. So then there's this big debacle of a coaching search. Uh, you know, Larry Brown, pretty good coach, interested in the job, didn't, you know, didn't happen, uh, et cetera. And he didn't have a lot of transfers during that time either. So Newton, Steve Newton, the, the, the wheel-o coach, lands on Steve Newton. Rick Barnes was in the mix for that job too. I think he was at Providence at the time. Um, so lands on Steve Newton from Murray State. You know, he, he, he comes in. Recruiting under him was a disaster. Uh, but he inherits a pretty good team. You know, they start off the season pretty good. Then they hit SEC play. They were picked, I remember, in Athlon, because back then you had magazines, you didn't have all these websites. The Gamecocks were picked second behind Kentucky in the SEC East. They had divisions at that time uh, because they had a bunch of players back. You know, Joe Red had his heart issue, and, you know, Carolina ends up being pretty bad and then pretty bad the next year as well under Newton. And then he gets fired, and then Fogler comes in. Uh, and then that was also the second time you hired Bobby Crimmins. So you'd, if you'd have gone Larry Brown or Rick Barnes instead of Steve Newton, maybe get off to a better start. Fogler comes in uh, after Crimmins turns the Gamecocks down. Eddie Fogler, heck of a coach, leads the Gamecocks. And at this point, Carolina's five years into the SEC. You know, so the, the, the old Coliseum was packed. You know, there was a lot of momentum. I'll never forget the, the year they beat Kentucky twice. The first time they beat Kentucky, um, you know, you had George Rogers, Hootie and the Blowfish. I mean, it was – Dick Vitale was there. I mean, it was a big-time deal. Uh, and then they beat them at Rupp on senior day. They won the SEC. And then there's the one and done. And then another one and done. And blah, 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 blah. Everything changes. Dave Odom comes in. <laughs> and in that point, you had a chance to hire Greg Marshall or you could have hired Bobby Crimmins at that point. And not that Dave Odom did a terrible job. You know, the guy, you know, won some games. I thought he's a heck of a floor coach. I thought, uh, you know, he had a, a good – a lot like Frank Martin, he had a good way to identify talent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he probably was there a couple of years too long. Eric Hyman, you know, didn't pull the trigger on him. And uh, so the, the program starts to sink at this point. And then there was the Darren Horn hire, which was a hire made on the cheap. Uh, one good year off a team he inherited, and then it went down from there. You know, I, I don't know who else they could have gotten. You know, probably a better mid-major coach probably at that time. But, um, you know, it was just kind of a one of those things. So you, you kind of roll the dice there and hope it works out. It did not. And then they go and make a pretty good hire in Frank Martin. And Frank – obviously inherited a dumpster fire, and he's got it on solid ground. So, so I say all that to say this. When you look at the history of this program in the SEC, Fogler had a two-year stint where he went 26-6 and six in the league. Other than that, never a regular season above 500. You know, I, I think the best other than that was an 8-8 eight and eight year, the year before the run started when they went to the third round of the NIT and lost to Alabama. Um Odom's best year in the SEC, 500. Okay, so so not, so Dave Odom and Eddie Fogler, uh, not even counting Steve Newton and his two years of, of a debacle, um, they could not figure this league out, you know, in order, you know, with the exception of the two years under Fogler. You know, consistently Carolina's sitting there seven, you know, five to seven league wins. Odom in particular had some teams that – Especially the the second NIT title team to me was a Sweet Sixteen level team. 
when you look at who they beat, they beat Florida twice. Uh, they ran through the SEC tournament to the championship game. You had Balkman, you had Wallace, you had Trey Kelly, who played out of his mind that year. You had a lot of great players, uh, but couldn't figure it out. So um, Darren Horn had a 10-6 and six SEC record in a really down year in the league. Carolina won 21 games and could not make it to the tournament and got bounced in the NIT by Steph Curry and Davidson. Um, but other than that, you know, you had Horn one year. You had Fogler two years. Uh, well, Frank now, with the win last night, has won double-digit games in the league and will have a winning record in the league four out of five years. That's never happened. Um, so while I agree – that the idea is to make the big dance. And while I will, I will also agree that, you know, this team this year shouldn't be on the bubble. You know, you, you lost to Boston U and Stetson, and it's coming. It, it didn't, everybody thought at the time it could come back to bite them. Well, it's coming back to bite them. You know, there's not a lot of bad losses in the SEC. Like, the team that got snubbed had, like, a loss at Missouri, who was in the 130s in the, in the RPI at the time. Lost three times to Georgia, which had an average average metrics. Um, they had some losses that year in the league that were like eh, head scratchers. But you know they got blown out by Kentucky at home. You know, but this this team doesn't have any bad league losses. I mean, they lost to Tennessee by a point. Ole Miss is a Q two loss. They've handled their business against everybody else. You know, you know, there's no shame in losing at Mississippi State or Alabama by three and four. But it's those two non-conference losses which were inexcusable. So I'm, I'm, I'm on that bandwagon too that there's no excuse to be on this, you know, the wrong side of the bubble because, you know, those two games were important. And the, the, in today's, you know, with college basketball, uh, you know, it, it, you just never know how it's all going to go in this metrics fueled world we live in. And so, you know, you, you need every win matters. You know, even against the the little guys, you know, every every win matters. And so, I, I I agree with Frank when he says, "Well, if I'd have scheduled, you know, a Division two team rather than Stetson, I mean, we'd be in." I mean, I agree because Boston U in and of itself, it's a Q three loss. It's it's a bad loss, but it's not killing them. Um, but you know, the 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 numbers, the cold hard numbers, don't they don't care about any of that. There's no human input. And last year, the committee really, you know, there were some, some outliers. Arizona State was an outlier, I think. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, if you look at it, I think, um, you know, for the most part, the committee went straight by, you know, straight down the list. You know, that they, they really used the net a whole lot more with it being the first year, uh, a whole lot more than I thought they would. You know, and I didn't thing they would put Carolina in. <laughs> um, but I I did look at it and thought, you know, well, they, they kind of just followed suit. So we'll see kind of what happens there. But, you know, and I, so, so I'm on board with those of you that, you know, all right, ah, one NCAA tournament in eight years. Yes, it was a Final Four, but it looks like a fluke. I agree it looks like a fluke. Yeah, the actual run to the Final Four was not a fluke. Um, it was not lucky. They had – they caught fire at the right time. You know, and that happens in basketball. Uh, but, you know, obviously when you don't follow that up with tournament appearances, 
it appears like, well, they had one good year, kind of like they did in 97. You know, 20 years later, they're in a Final Four, you know, and and then that's going to be, you know, the frequency in which you hear from South Carolina basketball every 10, 12 years, you know. And and that's not the idea for any program. If you're going to try, you know, I I think that you need more than that. And so I'm, I'm with you on that. But I will point out, uh, that th- th- this SEC success uh, is probably a step one, you know, because there have been a lot of teams that have rolled through the non-conference at South Carolina and, and then run into problems when they hit the hit the Southeastern Conference. I mean, I, there's just a bottom line. I, I, I knew the last two years the non-conference is an albatross. And, and quite frankly, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know – you know, when you look at the totality of it, if you sit there and um, look at the, the losses to Houston and Northern Iowa, those are Q1 losses. Wichita State's a Q1 loss. Um, and, and I'll just go with Wichita State and Houston. You know, the Cape Cod's got blown out those two games. One of them was at home. You know, so 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 that could that that's probably weighing them down too. But if you beat Stetson and BU, I don't think that's killing you right now. I think you're on the right side of the bubble. So I understand the frustration. But I will point out that double-digit wins in the league, four out of five years, that's just not something that's, you know, a common occurrence with this program. And and so no matter what, getting in the NCAA, settling for the NIT, whatever, uh, and I understand if this team makes the NIT, that's a disappointment because, you know, these guys should be in the, they should have taken care of business when they had the chance early because um, it's coming back to haunt them. But, you, you know, facts are facts, and you, and you do have to look at the success in the SEC, and nobody else has really had that. And that's a surprise because heading into the league back in the early 90s, I remember, you know, you kind of looked at it, and it's like, well, it's going to take a while for the Gamecocks to, to compete in football in this league. Um and uh, honestly, though, the, the first team they had in the SEC, Steve Tannehill, we all remember that 5-1 and one finish. <laughs> and uh, they ended up going 5-6 and six after a bad start. And, you know, they are kind of competitive. The, the bottom didn't really fall out of football until 98-99. I mean, they were like, you know, between four and six wins. Um, but you looked at it then, and you're like, well, football's going to take a while. Uh, but basketball – you know, coming in from the Metro, I mean, the SEC is not supposed to be that much more difficult of a league. I mean, the Metro, you got good programs, Louisville, Florida State, Virginia Tech. Um, Tulane was good during that time. And so you thought basketball is a chance for, you know, this program really could make a seamless transition, and it just hadn't. It's been worse than football. And then you thought baseball would probably be pretty good, and lo and behold, it was. You know, there was a little dip there, the June range to Ray Tanner handoff. Uh, but the Gamecocks, you know, were making NCAA tournaments. I, I remember the first SEC baseball tournament Carolina took part in. It was at the Superdome in New Orleans. Carolina went deep in that tournament and made a regional under June Reigns. Um, and so when you look at the sports across the board, you know, the, the surprise has been men's basketball. And, you know, you look back to 97 when Carolina won the league six, five, six years in, five years in. And you're like, well, this is a program that's going to make some noise. You know, this is a program that's going to benefit from being in this league rather than the Metro. You know, this is a program that's, you know, going to be really good. And then things kind of changed and the bottom fell out. 
and and, and that's just kind of what's happened since then. It's been a a vast wilderness, if you will, in the sport of basketball. But Frank, you know, Frank Martin, to his credit, you know, say what you want. I mean, this team has won double-digit games within the league. And I know there's more games now. There's 18. But, you know, they're going to have a safe winning record within the league. You know, you win Saturday, you're 11-7 and for the second straight year, third time in four years, and then four times in five, you've had 11 or 12 wins. And so – you know, if you're if you're Carolina, you know that that is progress, regardless of you know the lack of the NCAA tournament. And I realize in college basketball, I'm the first to tell you, making the NCAA tournament is everything. So, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of what happens with regards to all of that with basketball. Uh, Going to be talking football later with Tony Morrell. Uh, baseball won last night at Floor Field in Greenville over Furman. I believe that final was three to one in extra innings. Bullpen played well. Uh, they got Boston College today. Reminder that Boston College is an Atlantic Coast Conference program. They are a cold weather program. Um, so interesting. It's kind of an interesting piece of scheduling there. Um, and then you know we head on into the weekend, and you know Cornell I think is the opponent, an Ivy League school. Uh, and then you know, go through the midweek next week, and it's. Tennessee so the SEC season will start and it's uh you know it's going to be imperative I think that the Gamecocks go into SEC play with some momentum uh and and really up until the second series which is at Georgia Georgia's really good um that they maintain the momentum you know I think that Tennessee series is going to be huge for this team uh because they've played you know, two power five teams, Northwestern technically is a power five team. And I don't know that the power five matters as much in baseball because you have a lot of Northern teams and stuff like that. And those guys aren't going to be as good. Although I will repeat, Michigan played for the national title last year. Um, but you know, you played Northwestern, you lost two of three, you played Clemson, you lost two of three, you know, you've got to, you gotta, you gotta get the ship right. You gotta win SEC series and, get back to the NCAA tournament uh, if you are Mark Kingston and, and then make some noise when you're there. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, you gotta, you gotta get back before you can make some noise. And, you know, that's, uh, that's going to be important for baseball, but we'll talk football later. Uh, some recruiting stuff, some more interesting stuff with Tony Morrell on the football insider episode. This has been ITG daily. It's JC Sherbert.